Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show. Welcome to the latest in our DigiTalks podcast series. We are featuring a variety of different topics that are currently trending in the digital world. And we now explore the dilemma of internalization versus externalization. Introducing the topic is HSBC Markets and Security Services, Fartana Nanji, head of EFX Fails Europe. Fartana, over to you. Thanks very much, Gabriella. Today, we'll be focusing on a topic that is very important for electronic trading desks around internalization versus externalization and the impact it has on our clients. I'm very excited to be speaking to Alexander Barzakin, who we'll refer to as Sasha, who is a director in our e-risk quantitative team, who focused and wrote a paper called Market Making by a Foreign Exchange Dealer to address this specific issue. Sasha, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Rosanna. It's a pleasure. Now, Sasha, in the article, you pose a Shakespearean question, to hedge or not to hedge? Why is this so important? This refers to one of the most important uh, questions discussed in the FX community at the moment. Uh, this discussion is um, dilemma of internalization and um, externalization. Uh, FX markets nowadays are still very much fragmented despite their huge size. So uh, they are OTC markets where on, on one side, uh, there is a dealer to client segment where dealers or in uh, otherwise called market makers, they provide liquidity to clients. And on the other hand, there is a huge uh, open market where, which could be called dealer to dealer segment where dealers can uh, meet and trade together mainly for hedging purposes. Uh, so indeed uh, market makers have access to both uh, liquidity pools and they're always left with an important uh, choice. Is it optimal to warehouse the risk or internalize, in other words, or to hedge in the market, which would be externalized? Uh, on one hand, internalization helps uh, to maximize uh, spread capture, but it comes with um, flow uncertainty and price risk. On the other hand, externalization helps to control risk, but it comes to, with transaction costs and market impact. Uh, the implementation of a mathematical model in this paper is to make the decision more quantitative for market makers. So when does your model tell us not to hedge? Uh, it, it's, um, uh, I would say, not an immediate answer. So before we understand where not to hedge, uh, we need to provide the full uh, strategic uh, recipe within the model. And indeed, the model uh, provides an optimal strategy, the full optimal strategy for the market maker. Uh, firstly, in regard uh, of how to price for clients and secondly, at which rate to externalize. Uh, the outcome of the model is based on the following factors. It's uh, market conditions, risk tolerance, and uh, current level of inventory. The analysis we have conducted has proven that there indeed exists a pure internalization area. This means that there is an inventory threshold below which it is optimal for the dealer not to externalize at all. 
this uh, threshold is derived uh, from a subtle balance between uncertainty, execution cost, and uh, market impact. Although this balance between internalization and externalization is not new, this is the first time that this is now, uh, uh, there is now a quantitative formulation. You mentioned that externalization comes with transaction costs. So this would imply wider spreads for the client. So the client should be interested to trade with the market maker who internalizes more, that's correct? Uh, I would say that uh, indeed externalization as part of the market maker's uh, risk management strategy will contribute to the overall cost of business and thus will be reflected in the spread. But I should say more importantly, externalization also leads to market impact. This means that if a client trades with a market maker who primarily externalizes as part of their risk management strategy, this could result in an indirect market footprint for the client. Ultimately, um, clients have an increased um, benefit when the market maker internalizes. The level of internalization tends to depend on the franchise capacity, which is one of the factors influencing the size of the optimal pure internalization area. To put it simply, a client would want to trade with a large liquidity provider. How do you define franchise capacity and what level of internalization do you expect to be optimal for a top tier bank? Franchise capacity is not really a term often used in practice. Um, usually you would encounter daily turnover and market share. However, our model makes it convenient to introduce this term as a maximum expected trade flow that the market maker can get from their clients, assuming they always win the trades. Uh, according to a Bank of International Settlements survey uh, of uh, the last one uh, we used in the paper, uh, the average internalization level for G10 currencies is about 80% by top tier banks. And uh, this is reconfirmed by our model and our analysis. So if a market maker does not externalize, how does he then manage risk? Uh, the market maker has always has a choice to how they would price uh, for their clients and they can vary their pricing differently on the bid and ask side. So skew in other words, to attract client flow in the direction which would offset the risk. Um, market makers can choose to internalize either exclusively or in combination with the externalization components. The decision to internalize can be dependent on the size of the bank's franchise, as this will be indicative at to how easily they can attract flow to get uh, out of their risk, as I mentioned at the beginning. I can see the paper is very heavy in maths. Is it really essential for the problem? Yeah, I have to say yes. <laughs> but um, uh, one of the reasons is multiple controls are at play. Uh, the market maker is free to choose all the prices they could stream to all their different clients in all the different sizes. And also they can choose the rate at which to trade in the market. Uh, the model is set up as a stochastic uh, control problem, which is um, an optimization problem in which uh, the state variable is the inventory of the market maker and the underlying fair price is modeled as a Brownian motion influenced by market impact. Essentially, we naturally blend two very famous models from the academic literature. 
Avellaneda Stoikov model, which is an optimal market making model, but which focuses only on internalization, and Almgren Chris model, which deals with algorithmic execution, and thus it focuses only on externalization. You say pricing for different clients. We often group clients into tiers to provide collective pricing. Is that somehow reflected in the model? Yeah, indeed, uh, one of the important outcomes of the paper is uh, the analysis of client sensitivity to pricing. We show that, um, or we show how to derive uh, the so-called client intensity function from available trade and quote data. The intensity function provides uh, the expected trade flow from a given client if shown a quote at a certain level with respect to market reference price. And what is very interesting, we can see clear clusters of elasticity in client data. Some clients trade because they need to take a certain position, uh, while others trade because they see an opportunity in the offered price. These clusters indeed can be very helpful in grouping clients. Nowadays, AI is a hot topic in finance, and people discuss deep hedging and other model-free data-driven approach, approaches, but you're choosing a model. Is there a reason for that? Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> the, the reason, one of the reasons I already mentioned that the number of control variables. And I would say that model-free is good and indeed proven itself extremely successful in games uh, where one can repeat the game and learn as long as it takes. Right, But finance is not a game. The data is limited. And uh, even more, the markets are evolving and the data is changing. In order to optimize a system with so many controls, it is important to have a robust model. Uh, it is particularly difficult with a model-free approach to quantify client response to pricing and market impact of trading. You can't really learn that um, without your own experience. So is this a complete model or you're expecting some upgrades? Oh, yes, indeed, uh, of course, because uh, the first time um, the original model was for a single instrument. And uh, as you understand, FX um, market maker is also a portfolio manager. And in fact, we have um, already submitted a follow up paper where we can see the market making of a multi currency portfolio. Uh, considering uh, market making at portfolio level, can further improve uh, risk management metrics by taking into account correlations and cross relationship between pairs. But this is um, separate, a topic for a separate discussion, I, I would say. Your co-authors are from academia, which is not very common. How did your collaboration start? We have uh, met with Professor Olivier Guillon at uh, CFM Imperial Market Microstructure Conference, which uh, was hosted actually by HSBC. Uh, just before the pandemic, uh, where we were both presenting and had plenty of opportunities to discuss uh, topics of mutual interest. Uh, we have later engaged into collaboration as part of HSBC FX uh, research initiative, uh, together with uh, Philippe Bergot, and uh, are particularly grateful uh, to Richard Anthony for continuing support. Thanks very much, Sasha. This topic is incredibly fascinating and very groundbreaking. It's great to hear that so much progress has been made on this topic. Thanks again for the valuable insights. It's very much appreciated. And for those of you that would like to explore this topic in further detail, you can see the paper that is attached. Gabriella, over to you. Yeah, thanks so much, Fartana and Sasha. Um, 
Indeed, it's quite, quite interesting. And I just wanted to highlight again that we have attached the original paper to this podcast for the ones that would like to dive um, further into what Sasha was explaining. And again, I'm, I'm going to be trying to read it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to understand it. But nonetheless, a really interesting podcast. Um, so I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition in our series of DigiTalks podcasts. We hope that you enjoyed learning more about internalization versus externalization and hedging strategies. Stay tuned for more from our podcast as we explore more trends in the coming weeks. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.